Welcome to Staying Ageless Podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we will be talking about Pregnancy 101, how to prepare for a safe and healthy birthing process. To get this birthing party started, I'm going to give you guys some more insights on some nutrition tips that can help you prepare for pregnancy. And later, we'll be chatting with our expert for today, Brandy Sellers, who is an amazing doula and mommy of three. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. All right, y'all. Giving birth is one of those things that I believe that you kind of have to do to become an expert on. Um, And although I have never been pregnant, I do know a bit from watching friends, family, and also preparing some of my nutrition clients for the process. Although every pregnancy is completely different, there are some myths that I want to bust today when talking about nutrition and pregnancy. The first one, myth number one, is pregnancy is an excuse to eat anything and everything. (laughs) Although pregnancy cravings are real, it should not be an excuse to go on a processed food bender. You are, of course, nourishing an entire human life, so providing the best building blocks should be the goal. To maintain a healthy pregnancy, actually, you only need approximately 300 extra calories per day. So if you were someone who usually ate around 1,600 calories, you'd now be eating 1,800 calories. It's not really actually that much. These calories should be coming from a balanced diet of protein, fruits, vegetables, and grains. Sweets and fats should be kept to a minimum. And a healthy, well-balanced diet can also help to reduce some of the pregnancy symptoms that are very uncomfortable, such as nausea and constipation. Some other important considerations are to avoid all forms of alcohol and drugs. The U.S. Public Health Service recommends that all women of childbearing age consume around 400 micrograms of folic acid each day. You need the 400 micrograms before pregnancy and during the first 12 weeks of pregnancy to reduce the risk of neural tube defects. During pregnancy, doctors usually recommend that you actually get 600 micrograms per day. And folic acid, you can find it in green leafy vegetables, most berries, nuts, beans, citrus fruits, and fortified breakfast cereals. Um, You can also get it in certain supplements. We want to avoid neural tube defects because they can lead to varying degrees of paralysis, incontinence, and sometimes intellectual disability in our babies. Folic acid is the most helpful during the first 28 days after conception. That's when most neural tube defects actually occur. Unfortunately, most women don't even realize that they are pregnant before that 28 days. So this is why we should start our intake of folic acid well before conception and continue throughout our pregnancy. Your healthcare provider or midwife will recommend the appropriate amount of folic acid to meet your individual needs. And then you can also make sure that you are getting in some of those food sources that I mentioned. Other really important nutrients to include in a diet if you are pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant, omega-3 fatty acids are incredibly important. And many people don't know that an inadequate amount can actually cause postpartum depression. If you are doing a plant-based pregnancy and you can't include fish or wild-caught fish, it will be important for you to take an algae-based DHA and EPA omega-3 fatty acid supplement well before and during your pregnancy. Calcium we know is important for strong bones and teeth. If you're not on the dairy bandwagon, there are other ways that you can get calcium. During pregnancy, you need around 1,000 milligrams per day. We also need iron, which is going to help red blood cells deliver oxygen to the baby. Of course, there are meat sources, and then there are also vegetarian sources like dried beans, peas, and iron-fortified cereals. During pregnancy, you need around 27 milligrams per day of iron. Vitamin A, we need this for healthy skin, eyesight, and bone growth. And we can get that from carrots, dark leafy greens, sweet potatoes, All of those good old orangey and red uh, fruits and vegetables usually are going to have some vitamin A in there. 
During pregnancy, we need 770 micrograms per day. Vitamin C is also going to help us absorb iron, especially plant-based sources of iron or non-heme iron. Some good sources, as we know, are citrus fruits, broccoli, tomatoes, strawberries. Um, And don't forget that actually some of our cruciferous vegetables have a good amount of vitamin C. During pregnancy, we need around 85 milligrams daily. Then we need vitamin D. It's going to aid our body in the absorption of calcium to help build the baby's bones and teeth. And we can get sunlight, which is a great (laughs) natural way. We could do fatty fish, certain dairy products. If you're not on dairy, again, supplementation is key. During pregnancy, you need around 600 international units daily. And I would recommend that you actually, prior to pregnancy, you're already taking 2,000 international units daily. And um, your body is primed and then your vitamin D won't be low. Uh, Vitamin B6, it helps form red blood cells and also helps our body use protein, fat, and carbs. We can find vitamin B6, and it's in a lot of meat sources. It's in whole grain cereals. It's in bananas. All of the B vitamins are in things like nutritional yeast as well. And during pregnancy, we need about 1.9 milligrams daily. We also need vitamin B12, which helps form red blood cells and maintains our nervous system. We can find this vitamin mostly in animal products, so we definitely want to be supplementing, especially if we're doing a plant-based pregnancy. All right, myth number two, it's better to skip out on exercise while pregnant. Y'all, I have a crazy embarrassing story. (laughs) I was in the park. I was running towards the end of a four-mile stretch. It was the end of a four-mile run. I was getting pretty tired, and I got passed by a pregnant woman. And after recovering from the shock, I in my mind, I was like, you better go. You better do that. <laughs> in the past, we know that exercising was sometimes actually discouraged for pregnant women. But I believe in the last decade, there's been much improvement and knowledge about this. And there are many women proving that you can not only do yoga, cardio, heck, even powerlifting while pregnant. And it can help with recovery after pregnancy. And it's also great for the baby. The key is that we shouldn't take on exercises that are extremely strenuous and foreign to our bodies. And we should keep trainers and health practitioners in the loop so that we can make any adjustments to exercises that we usually do, depending on the trimester you're in. So this is why it's really ideal to be living your best life and getting some exercise in before before pregnancy, because your body will be primed to be able to exercise um, at certain levels because of your consistency prior to pregnancy. Last but not least, myth number three is that you cannot use herbs while pregnant. Surprisingly enough, there are herbs that are safe for use in specific trimesters of pregnancy that can ease delivery, reduce morning sickness, and provide an incredible amount of nutrition. Some herbs women have used with success include stinging nettle, red raspberry leaf, oat straw, yellow dock, red clover, and more. Most herbs are taken by making herbal infusions that can be drunk as tea. If you're someone who wants to avoid making an herbal infusion, you can also purchase pre-made fertility or pregnancy tinctures from trusted brands that can be added to water and are formulated to support a healthy birthing process. All herbs, if used, should be used under the supervision of an herbalist or licensed healthcare practitioner who has experience with pregnant women. This is very, very important, y'all, because herbs are so interesting. They really do, each herb affects a different body differently. So an herb that works really well for me may not work that well for you. So you definitely want to work with someone who can help you kind of figure out which ones are your go-tos. And and also it'll protect you from any potential damaging um, doses or side effects. And also just make sure that um, your baby is also healthy during the process. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to our amazing guest. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. 
If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. I'm Asosa E, Certified Nutrition Specialist and Behavioral Coach. I'm Zanette Watts, Trichologist and Cause Educator, and we are the co-founders of Revivify Hair Lab. After seeing my clients struggle with hair loss or thinning because of nutritional deficiencies, hormonal balance, and poor diet, and after treating clients with severe scalp damage, alopecia, dermatitis, dandruff, and other scalp issues, we realized that together... We could help our clients better by combining our nutrition and hair science superpowers into one holistic service that helps you revive and fortify your hair no matter what state it's in. Whether you are losing hair, have moderate to extreme damage to your scalp, have thinning hair, are balding, or simply are struggling with how to grow your hair, our service can help. If you are interested in learning more, check us out on the web at revivifyhairlab.com or on Instagram at revivifyhairlab. At Revivify Hair Lab, together, together we, we bring, bring your, your hair, hair back, back to life. life. Today's guest is Brandy Sellers Jackson. She is a doula, a baby-wearing educator, and the founder of Hashtag NotSoPrivateParts, a woman's online platform centered around removing the shame and stigma surrounding women's issues. In 2018, she co-founded Moms in Color, a collective created for Black moms focused on celebrating the diversity in motherhood. She enjoys supporting women and mothers and being a link in connecting women with each other and with themselves. Brandy lives in L.A. with her husband and their three boys, Jax, Jedi, and Jupiter. Well, Brandy, I am super excited to have you on the show. Um, I am definitely not an expert on pregnancy, and I feel like you are definitely a better person to talk to about this um, because you have three three children? Three, yeah. Three, three children, three and you are a doula. Child? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the first thing I want to ask you, because I didn't even actually know what the word doula meant, honestly, until like Erica Badu became one. You know what I mean? Right. Like I had no yeah. clue. And I don't, I think I might not have been the only one. So can you explain what a doula is? Yeah. So a doula is someone that supports doing birth, postpartum, and really any of any major life change. Um, there are actually, there's birth doulas, there's postpartum doulas, there are um, loss doulas, miscarriage and loss, full script, full, we like to call them full spectrum doulas. Mm. So that means that they cover the whole gamut of birth. So that means live birth, stillbirth, unfortunately, that means mm. uh, miscarriage, um, that's full spectrum doulas. There are even death doulas. Um, people wow. Who, you know, guide people through loss and death. And so doulas are just basically people who support during major life transitions. Wow. And and what led you to become a doula? So the way I became a doula, it was right after my um, middle child, Jedi, Jedi, not Jupiter, Jedi, wasn't quite one years old. I just left my job for four years. I was in textiles. And um, yeah, I just felt in my gut it was time to move on. And I ended up, I think like a two months, afterward uh hosting a black breastfeeding week panel and moderating or not moderating called curating it and the event was sold out mm. and so it kind of confirmed in my gut that I was heading in the right direction and one of the moderators that we had asked to you know come and be a part of it she asked me she was like have you ever thought about becoming a doula and I was like yeah and so Literally, I think like a month later, I was in a training and that kind of just kind of started it all. Wow. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) What are the things that you, I guess, what are the top things you've learned from actually going through a pregnancy? And then what are some of the things that then changed when you became a doula? Like, did anything change or was it really the same kind of learning from both experiences? A little bit of both. I think 
you know, it's something about, it's something about seeing a birth that's not your own. Because mm. when you're in it, you're in it, right? And you go through the process of, you know, active labor and then transition and then, you know, giving birth. And you're kind of like in this other world. Hmm. Like you're almost like in between two worlds, almost like that part right there. I actually am going to miss because this is our last child. This will be done. Um, <laughs> but I am going to miss that part of labor where you are like in between two worlds. Wow. Like in transition where you are, you're there, you're present, but you are somewhere else. You're just somewhere else. You're like floating and it's amazing and it's hard, super hard. But it's something else about when you're supporting someone through that same ordeal mm-hmm. and you're, you're connected and you're looking at them and they're looking at you for support and they're like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And you look at them and you're like, yeah, you can. Mm. Yeah, you can. You can totally do this. Your body's capable. It's mm-hmm. a whole different thing. And to see that person's hard work and then see that baby come out on the other side and that mama come out on the other side, that birthing person come out on the other side. It's just something else. It's, it's pretty powerful. Wow. Pretty amazing. When women are thinking about getting pregnant now, I know what I've studied from a nutrition perspective, right? Of like the things, the nutrients that people need to prepare their bodies with. But what are some things, practical things from a doula perspective that a woman can do if she's thinking about getting pregnant? Research, research, research. Mm. Research. Um, the more that you know, the better off you will be. I can't express that and like express that enough. Like knowing not only what your body does during the labor process, during the pregnancy process, it will it'll equip you in a way that's just amazing like going into it's especially if you're birthing in a hospital especially um going into the hospital setting and knowing that okay so this is the the stage that I'm in okay uh I don't need an intervention right now because everything's going according to plan Mm -hmm. or okay this person they're trying to rush me into getting the Pitocin because they don't want to have me here pushing super late at night and they're ready to go home. Mm. Knowing that and knowing that there are other options, knowing that, okay, if I do take, do, if I do do the Pitocin, I can take it intermittently. I don't have to have it as a constant drip. Knowing those things are, are it's, it's really important. Mm. Um, knowing your rights in a hospital setting, knowing that you can ask for a different nurse. If you're not jiving well with the nurse that's there. A lot mm. of people don't know that. Wow. They don't know that. Knowing that if there is no harm happening, there's nothing happening. So, you know what? You can go back home. Mm. I can go back home. Um, I don't need to stay in the hospital. I came here too early. I can go back home. Mm. Things like that are important. So I, I say research, research, research. Knowing what your body's doing, whether it's during labor, during postpartum, that's that's key. It's research as much as you as much as you can, for sure. I feel like so much of this information is not told to women about our bodies. And I'm not mm-hmm. even just talking about pregnancy. I mean, I've had conversations yeah. about menopause, et cetera, that like freaked me out <laughs> where I was mm-hmm. like, how come nobody told me? So so since there's such a lack of information, where do you feel like is the best place for people to start their research? Like, where do we go for these, you know, this information? Finding, you know, first off, finding a, if you're going to birth at home or a birth center, find a a midwife that you love and you trust and you connect with. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're going to birth in a hospital, find a doctor that you actually jive with and hears you and sees you. If Mm -hmm. you are a black woman, Mm -hmm black person birthing um one of the questions to ask your healthcare provider is um you know how how do you how are you how would you care for me as a black woman giving birth Hmm. how would you support me as a black woman giving birth in a hospital and if there and i it's funny i heard someone say this i was like whoa that's so good 
if they say, oh, I treat all my clients the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't see you any different. That is not your doctor. Mm. That is not your doctor. Because there are certain things that they need to be, antennas need to be up. Right. They need to be up. Especially with the statistics that Black women are dying at, you know, alarming rates compared to their white counterparts. Right. Because of unnecessary interventions, because of bias, because of all the things. And so if their response to you is, oh, I wouldn't treat you any different. I would, mm, nope, they don't get it. Mm. They don't get it. Mm. If they say, oh, actually, yes, I would treat you with a little bit more care, a little bit more awareness, a little bit more, okay, we would be checking your vitals, we'd be checking your blood pressure, we check it. Those are things, yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's something they need to know. If they don't even bring up the statistics, that is your doctor. Wow. So just knowing who is part of your team Mm-hmm. And making sure that they are in the know and they're knowledgeable. That's the first step. The second thing I would say is, you know, doulas. I love doulas. I'm a doula. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here to walk you through your entire pregnancy. Mm. You know, we're here to make sure you have resources and have knowledge and know what's what. You know, and we, we're there to offer also, you know, informed consent, making sure that you know what's being communicated to you. And what are your options? So, you know, doulas are great, making sure you have a great birthing team, but then also just, you know, books, all the books. You know, one of my favorite books is um, Nurture by Erica Sheedy Cohen. She's a Mm -hmm. dear friend of mine. Um, uh, Glow Maven, she has a great book Mm -hmm. around birth and pregnancy. Uh, The Birthing Partner is a great book. It's been around forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also on Amazon. Uh, the first 40 days by Hing U is a great book to check out. It's all about postpartum and the first 40 days after birth and how to nourish yourself. And so just really reading all the books, you know, doulas, birth team, that's how I would definitely, you know, research. No, that's awesome. And thank you for dropping the books for 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 all of those who are listening who might want to read them. I'm going to link them in addition to your website yeah. in the show notes. Um Hmm. Okay. So I've also had friends who have taken like, they've gotten pregnant and they've taken a lot of classes and done different mm-hmm. exercises and training. Um, if you're someone who has the budget for those things, what are some good things to do? And if you're someone who feels like they don't, what should you be mm-hmm. doing? Yeah, well, I will say that I don't want to say lucky for, for being with this pregnant right now, because this is not a lucky situation. But during this pandemic, a lot of people are offering virtual support. Mm. Um, so if you're looking to do a birthing class, you know, a lot of people, they're offering it because they know that people are needing it right now. And a lot of it is either low cost if or maybe even free. A lot mm-hmm. of that's even free. Um, so I would say look online right now and look for virtual support, virtual classes. A lot of doulas are offering virtual support um, because we can't be at the hospitals right now. Some of us don't feel safe to go to the hospital. Right. And some of us actually um, aren't allowed right now. Doulas aren't allowed in the hospital. So right. there's that. Um, so I would say look up virtual support. Also, there are online, you know, yoga sessions. You know, uh, uh, Yoga Works has one. That's really great. I think it's like 15 bucks a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a prenatal yoga uh, offering that they, they have. So... You know, there's a lot of online resources for, you know, working out and um, virtual support as well, you know. Do you feel like there's benefit to those? I do. I actually actually dig it. You know, as far as virtual support goes, yes, a huge benefit. You know, the truth is, I mean, yes, this pandemic has definitely pushed us into the virtual world. Yeah. But the truth is a lot of us aren't new to this. You know, we've been offering virtual support before we called it that, you know, that's why a lot of us became doulas because we were technically the people that people would call when right. they support. So there's no difference. I think that it's just now we are putting a name to it because we kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think virtual support is a huge offering. You know, these online classes are a huge offering. I think, We've got to now start leaning into all these little, all this technology that we have. Mm. Lean into it, you know, until we don't have to. But 
I think it's a huge resource for sure. Let's talk about mm-hmm. breastfeeding. So after yeah. I studied it, I was like, child, this is crazy. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I yeah. then I started hearing from my pregnant friends, like, you know, I would go over to their house and see the freezer full of breast milk, et cetera. Um, and they would tell me all these stories. And it just, for me, it sounded way more complicated, maybe, than it seems. I'm not so sure. But can you break down some challenges some women face with when breastfeeding and how to overcome them, like the common ones? Yeah. So, you know, there's a few. Um, One, that breastfeeding is easy. Mm. People have this misconception that breastfeeding is easy Mm. and it's not. That as soon as you have baby, you're going to put them on your breast and he's going to latch on and y'all just going to be sitting there nursing. It's going to be heaven. (laughs) Not always. Sometimes. Sometimes I've seen some moms, they are just like, that baby is just on there. But it has more to do with the baby and not the mom. Mm. It's more to do with that baby is just like, hey, I got this. And it is not the mom. It's mm. not. It's not that they're amazing and they just got amazing nipples. And yeah, nah. It's literally that baby just latched on. But it, even with that, I've seen where it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, you know. Mama's learning, baby's learning, y'all are both learning together. So there's that. I think that's a huge misconception that everybody just latches on. It's just so easy. No, it's not. Because if it were easy, more people would do it. Mm. So there's that. There is also this misconception that you are going to produce like gallons of milk on day one. Right. That's not true either. You're going to produce maybe like a teaspoon, tablespoon, something like that. It's not a lot on day one because baby's stomach is so little. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be producing a lot right then. I think that's the huge misconception. And I think a lot of people, when they they get into the whole pumping thing Mm -hmm. and they'll pump and it's like only like, you know, an ounce or half an ounce. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm not making enough. I'm like, actually, you are. Mm. This is day two. Mm. And you're at like a half an ounce. You're at an ounce. That's amazing. Mm. That's huge. Mm. You know, but if you don't know that, you'll think you're not making enough. And then you'll start doing formula and then you'll start doing all these things, you know, to intervene. Right. They're unnecessary. So there's that. Also that um, babies uh, feeding schedules a lot like formula feeding schedules, and it's not. Formula feeding schedules are, you know, every four hours, something like that, give or take. Mm-hmm. Babies who are nursing, they are nursing all the time. Mm. And they should be nursing on demand. Mm. So that can mean two hours. That can mean an hour if they're cluster feeding. That can mean 30 minutes if they're cluster feeding. Wow. That could mean an hour. That could mean anything. It's on demand. So that's a whole different situation. Okay. Um, yeah, I could go on and on. There's so many. No, There's tell so me many. tell me a few more. <laughs> tell me a few more. I'm so interested. Oh, my gosh. Tongue ties and lip ties. People think that tongue ties and lip ties are not that common. Or they what don't is that? About it. I think it, so it's basically, you know, the, the piece of skin that's underneath your tongue. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it can be really short. It can be shorter mm-hmm. and it needs to be released. So, and why does that matter during breastfeeding? So when baby is nursing, they need to be able to get their tongue to the roof of their mouth and push the nipple back to the back of the mouth ah. to express more milk, basically extract more milk. And so if baby has a tongue tie, they it's hard for them to do that. And therefore they're going to have a really, really, no pun intended, sucky latch. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to have a sucky latch. And uh, (laughs) so um, that can cause to like, you know, that can cause to, you know, low weight gain. Okay. To, uh, you know, your nipples feel like they're about to fall off, to to crack nipples, to just destroy nipples. And it's just not, it ain't cute. It ain't cute. And so, um, and then also lip ties is, is basically the skin that's in between that skin that attaches like your, your lips to your teeth, kind of that little skin right there. Yeah. Same situation. If that's kind of like really short too, it's hard for them to put their lip over the areola and therefore get the, you know, nipple to the back of their mouth. It's a whole thing. Wow. And so a lot of times, sometimes babies need to get it released and they'll just go and get it like, you know, snip, be a laser or whatever. And, uh, and it really does help. Um, and then some babies don't even need that. Some babies just, you know, y'all soldier through it 
and you figure it out and you mm-hmm. never knew you had it in the beginning. Hmm. And, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, by four weeks, it just all figured itself out. And we're off now. But the truth is, you know, four to six weeks, they have better health, so they can latch better and, you, you know, you figure it out. With two of my babies, with Jedi and Jupiter, they both had tongue and lip ties. Jedi didn't know it until mm-hmm. after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought, oh my gosh, my nipples feel like piranhas have been on them. Did right. not know. But he was also gaining weight and he was fine. With Jupiter, is a different situation where he wasn't gaining weight. It was really hard for him to latch. And um, yeah, we ended up having to get it released. So he did the whole um, tongue tie release. So, gotcha. Yeah, that's another thing. I think if more people knew that, they would possibly, when they're on a hospital, ask for the lactation on staff, uh, lactation consultant on staff, and have them like check for a tongue and lip tie. Wow, so that's a can, good one. They can at least eliminate that. Right. You know, if that's an issue. Did you have hospital births or did you ever, did you do home births for yours? I had all the different kinds of births. With my oldest, I had a hospital birth, mm-hmm. pull out epidural, Pitocin, the whole works, all the drugs. <laughs> um, for the, yeah, all the drugs. I didn't know. I didn't know. Right. I'd even, I thought about it, but I didn't even, you know, I had that first contraction. I was like, yeah, nah. Um, and then with the second one, I did a hospital birth unmedicated. Um, I really Mm. wanted to do it. And I, again, I did research, so Mm. I knew what to expect kind of, sort of. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did unmedicated birth in a hospital and it was a third, Mm. um, and it was amazing. And obviously that one was unmedicated because I'm at home, but it was amazing. I mean, the first birth was 18 hours with Pitocin. Mm-hmm. And then with the second one, hours unmedicated. And with the Ooh. third, it was three hours. 43 hours? 43 Child, hours. I'm... <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that I was, was signing up for this. Like, that just sounds... <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds exactly what it sounds... Yeah, it sounds really intense. And it was. Oh, my was God. Really intense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jedi made me work. He made me work. Um. Wow. And then Jupiter was three hours. Wow. Top to bottom. Three hours top to bottom. So out and, of the um, different births you've experienced, which was your favorite experience? Oh, the third. By far. Right. I mean, it was, I was at home mm-hmm. in my own space mm-hmm. because I knew the, the, I knew more than I did with the first and the second. Mm-hmm. I knew what to expect. I knew when I got to the point of, oh, crap, why did I do this? I'm so stupid. Why didn't I go to the hospital? Why didn't I get all the drugs? Right. I knew that when I got to that point where I started questioning my sanity, Yeah. I knew that I, Jupiter was almost here. Mm. I knew this was the hard part. I knew that, oh, he'll be here in maybe like an hour. Mm. And he was here probably in the next 45 minutes. Mm. So I, it was yummy. It was great. Like I just knew what to expect. I knew I felt safe. Mm. Um, I birthed at home with, you know, you know, a black midwife, a shot to Honey Lawler. Um, awesome. And she made me feel safe. Um, I do Nicole Sessions was amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just really, 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 really amazing. So for for anyone who wants to consider a home birth, what are the things that you have to put in place? I mean, obviously you need your team, but are there legal things you have to do? I'm completely ignorant about this. No. I mean, the thing is, your midwife is going to make sure that you're a candidate for a home birth. Make sure you're healthy. You don't have any underlying medical conditions. um, uh, And just make sure that you're healthy, Mm. you know, that you can actually do this. And you're not high risk. If you're okay. high risk, um, then yeah, you, you may not be able to do a home birth. Okay. Um, but if you're not and you're otherwise healthy, yeah. Like if if you're healthy, then you're actually, this is my opinion and just kind of like what it's looking like. Mm-hmm. Uh, woman, right. If you are healthy and low risk and you're, and you're black, the right. safest place you can get is birth at home. is at home. Right. <laughs> Real talk. No, like, real talk. Sounds, but based on the yeah. hospital treatment, you might as well be at yeah. home, sis. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, and that might sound really crazy because, you know, we're trained to believe doctors, 
you know, you're, you're safer at a hospital with the doctors and all that. But the truth is, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you just feel safer at a hospital, then that's one thing. Right. But the truth is, like, for real, for real, yeah. if you are low risk and you're black, the best place you can get birth is at home <laughs> or under a tree or, like, <laughs> anywhere. Anywhere else, not the tree, not real the talk, African like tree. Real, <laughs> uh, in a under a bridge. I mean, anyway, I'm being silly, but um, <laughs> under a bridge in the ocean, anywhere. Um, oh man, I'm being I'm being ridiculous, but for no, real, I hear like, you. You are. You're safe. You're safe at home. Mm. You really are. Mm. So, hmm. and you're heard. Like you're heard. You are heard and seen. Hmm. So. There's that. There's Let's that. talk about um, postpartum depression. Like, I know mm-hmm. the nutritional standpoint, how you can prevent it, but what do you do if you get it and you, you know, you you had no idea? Yeah. Do you help any women yeah. through that part? Yeah, I've had a few clients that had the anxiety um, for sure. And I think that's something that people don't really have their antennas up about is the postpartum anxiety. Um, mm. I think, and postpartum depression, it, you know, I think a lot of us are attuned to that. We're, mm-hmm. we're attuned to, oh, if I don't connect with my baby or if I don't, you know, I don't feel bond or if I don't feel like I can do anything. Mm-hmm. But we're not really that aware of the other part of it, which is postpartum anxiety, which a lot of mamas deal with, which is mm. another uh, uh, mood disorder, postnatal uh, mood disorder. So that's like where you are overly obsessed with oh. your baby. You are anxious. You but it's not just like the normal motherhood jitters. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid I'm gonna drop my baby. I'm afraid I'm gonna oh. harm I'm afraid I'm gonna do it. I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid. Oh my gosh, it's like debilitating. A lot of mothers that deal with that more than we talk about. Hmm. You know? Um so there's that. I think one of the things that I've really found helpful as, you know, encapsulating your placenta is a really good resource. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that with Jupiter and I did see the difference. I could tell on days that I didn't do it than the days that I did. Can you explain um, the benefits of that? I've heard of this and I was just like, child, yeah. I really don't even know. I need to talk to an expert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's basically, so after you give birth, your hormones are on like, you know, or during pregnancy, your hormones are like a thousand. Right. And then after you give birth, your your hormones basically kind of start to level out. Mm-hmm. But there's a plummet, like a plummet, right? Mm. And so encapsulating your placenta and ingesting it kind of kind of evens it out, evens out the plummet a bit. It makes it not so plummety. Mm. And so <laughs> kind of like kind of gradually takes you down just a little bit. Okay. Um, and so it's really great. You know, I mean... It helps with breastfeeding, breast milk production. Um, it helps with uh, just kind of leveling out your hormones a bit. And how um, often are you, so you, the placenta is literally put in capsules? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so then how often are you? You'll hire an encapsulator. They take the placenta and they basically like, you know, steam it with some herbs, like some ginger or things like that, you know, garlic. Mm-hmm. all the healing herbs mm-hmm. to heat it, mm-hmm. to make it heated because okay. um, you need that heat. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically rooted in Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine. Right. And, and so they take it, they steam it, then they uh, dehydrate it. Wow. Um, and then they grind it and they put it in a capsule. And okay. it's pretty amazing. Wow. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. So, that's that's been a huge benefit. That breastfeeding is a huge benefit with mood disorders. Um, mm. You know, because you have the oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the oxytocin and stuff. So, you know, I mean, those are two things that are really really helpful. Awesome! Wow, I learned a lot today. I'm. St- <laughs> learned a lot um let's talk about the snapback because you know everyone's obsessed with this i feel like people are obsessed with it a little bit at least with or they might feel pressure i feel like they just women are Mm -hmm. under pressure to get their old bodies back or to lose weight what are some things that you tell your clients natural ways to encourage weight loss and also minimize that anxiety around it oh man i i tell people 
don't really focus on the snapback. Mm. And if there is a snapback, really refocus it into healing. Mm. Healing your body. Your body has gone through something that is really, really intense. Right. Um, in fact, you know, you have literally a placenta-sized wound right. inside of you. Literally, if we turned you inside out, there would be a wound that's the size of your placenta. Wow. Bleeding. And that's where you're bleeding from after you give birth. People right. People look at that like, oh, it's like a period. It's not. It's not, though. Wow. You're bleeding from that wound. Wow. And so if you keep that in mind, that you literally have a wound that's the size of a placenta, and the placenta is pretty darn big. Yeah. You sit your ass down. <laughs> exactly. You really, really, you really wouldn't focus so much on the snapback and losing weight and looking like you looked before you would really put in, it would really put things in perspective. Like my body just did something that's pretty amazing. Wow. And it, and it hasn't stopped. It has not stopped. Like it's still doing something that's pretty amazing. Right. If you're breastfeeding, Oh my God, it's still doing something that's amazing. Right. You know, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Laura Berman, she said something. She said, and I had never thought about this before. She said this recently. She said, if you are breastfeeding, give yourself a year after weaning to feel like normal. Wow. So you think of it like that, like you're still doing things. Mm. So that snapback thing, what is like, really, what is that? It's like, just focus on your healing, like your physical healing. Yeah, now like that you're saying days. that, the snapback sounds so insensitive. <laughs> yeah, it does. Exactly. Right? That's exactly what I'm going for here. Yeah. Like, it sounds like anyone who's like, yeah, the snapback, or anyone who's expecting you to snap back, yeah. you really want to give them the finger. <laughs> because it's like, how dare you, for one, expect me to even go. And then also, like, why would you want to go back? Right. Whatever that was. Like, that is a whole different person than what you are right now. Right. And I'm not talking about, like, even just, like, the first child. Even from child to child. Mm. Baby to baby. You are a different person than you were before you had that baby and then the other baby and then the other baby. Mm. And then the other baby. Completely different. This is so good. Because I feel like most people don't think about the fact that they need to accept a new normal and create a new... It doesn't mean that you can't aspire to whatever. That part. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good. You can totally do it. It's just like, but lean into the newness of it. Right. You know, like really the newness of who you are right now. Right. Like, who am I right in this moment after giving birth to this baby? I am a different person. I'm a completely different person. Hmm. You know? And I think if we focus on the healing, like the healing of your body, what your body did, then people will think of like snapback, like it's almost like an insult. Like really, for real, like give yourself time and space and really give yourself a year, Mm. a year of healing, like a complete year of healing. I mean, Jupiter is 18 months Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm just now hitting my stride. Like Mm. starting to feel a little bit, a little bit more like myself, but I'm still nursing him. Right. So I know I'm still not really myself yet. Right. Not for real yet. Like there's still like hormones that breastfeeding and all that. Like how long do you nurse for? How long do you usually recommend your clients nurse for? I know that people debate this. Yeah. It's I, I say this, you know, yeah, we can go with the World Health Organization, you know, age, which is two years old. They say two now. Yeah. However, I say whenever baby or you are done, Mm. you know, because if you are at a point where you're just like nursed out and tired and you have all this like intense feelings about it, listen, put them away, put the titties away. You're fine. (laughs) You have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. Right. You have nothing to prove. And what I mean, the the truth is one thing that motherhood has shown me is that you come first. Mm. You come first. So if you are like over it, mm-hmm. you're over it. You are over it. Give yourself that permission to be over it. 
and congratulate yourself on what you've done. Mm. Your body's done something pretty amazing so far. And so, and if baby's done, sometimes babies at one years old, six months old, they're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm done. They've done that. They do that. Wow. And, you know, hey, you're done. Okay, word. Let's, let's, we done. Right. I mean, for me, it's interesting. Um, I've been technically tethered to someone for the past six years, mm. uh, whether it be pregnancy or breastfeeding. So, you know, I got pregnant in 2014 of November. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, got pregnant, had Jedi, nursed him. And the only reason I stopped is because I got pregnant with Jupiter. Mm. Wow. And so, yeah, like almost, yeah, like six years. So I've had to show myself the same grace too. Like, mm. yeah, I would love to breastfeed Jupiter until two or three or however, I don't know. In my head, I have this idea. But at the same time, I need to also be gentle with myself that maybe at some point my body, I need to give my body a break. Right. Like, because literally, I haven't had that year of weaning and not being tethered. Right. I don't even know what I'm going to do when that happens. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, turn up. You probably need to turn up. <laughs> turn all the way up. Like, all the way up. Yeah, so, wow. You know, I'm just, you know, being gentle. Be gentle with yourself for sure. Okay. This has been so amazing. I've learned so much. I could probably talk to you for another hour, but I know we can't do that. <laughs> where where yeah. can people find you? Where do people find you online? Um, and where do you recommend people also find a doula that works for them? Yeah. So you can find me on the internet. Um, I'm always on the internet at B Stereo on Instagram. Yeah. And then my site is not so private part. Mm-hmm. Life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I do a lot of my uh, consulting and pregnancy work and all that jazz. And the way to find a doula, you know, you know, working on, I'm working on a way <laughs> to really help support people in that. Actually. Okay. And that's, I'm hoping to have figured out by end of year. Okay. Um, and I think it's going to be a really, really huge resource for people. But I would say, you know, always, you know, Google, Google. There are a lot of different um, organizations in different areas, regions that have doula-like collections, doula collections. So, for example, if you're here in Cali, uh, Loom has a great data uh, doula database, um, a collective that I'm a part of. Also, there's Carriage House Birth that's in New York and here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a great resource as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ancient Song is a great resource. They're on the East Coast. Uh, okay. They have doulas. They're really great. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people are virtual right now. So I feel like now's the time to really, really, really take advantage of it. You know, yeah. those people who you may not have been able to connect with before a pandemic happened, now's your chance because everyone's going virtual. Mm. So, um, you know, I think that's a huge resource. And like I said, for me, you know, I'm now moving into uh, pregnancy consulting. So it's just, you know, I think just really just doing your due diligence. Okay. Research is key. Thank you so much, Brandy. You are awesome. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Alright y'all, it's time to take some questions from Instagram and email. Remember, if you'd like to have your question answered on the show, all you gotta do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs, respond to the call for questions on my profile at The Raw Girl, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. The question for today came from Instagram. Dear Raw Girl, how do you boost your immunity while pregnant? This is a really great question, and I understand how it can be really confusing to know what to do, as there's so many things that are not safe to consume while you're pregnant. But the good news is there are some things that you can do safely. First off, we know that stress, being anxious, any sort of negative emotion is kind of bad for your immunity. 
when we're in fight or flight mode, our bodies literally can't heal. So this is a really important time to continue your mindfulness practices like meditation, prayer, um, even yoga. There's a lot of um, uh, yoga classes for pregnant women as well that modify the poses. Next, you want to make sure your diet is balanced and full of whole foods. And you can introduce things like ginger, which is actually beneficial in the first trimester for nausea, but can also help your body expel mucus and get back to one if you feel like you're coming down with something. Another thing you can consume safely that will boost your immunity is raw garlic. It ain't pretty. It could be a little rough to get down with because it's so spicy, but you can eat some with some honey to get it down, or you could blend it into a fresh salad dressing to mask the taste. Another herb that some midwives recommend is echinacea. Echinacea has been shown by research to cut the chance of you getting a cold by 58% and has been shown in research studies to also reduce the duration of a cold by one and a half days. I hope any of these things help you, sis. It is time to close out the show. Hopefully this show gave you guys a lot of information if you're preparing for pregnancy or even if you already have a child and you're looking to get pregnant again in the near future. I know I learned a lot. (laughs) Self up for a healthy pregnancy, we always must remember that it begins with how we take care of our bodies months and even years prior. If you are thinking about getting pregnant, make some adjustments now to ensure that you lay the best foundation for you and your baby. And also, as our guest said, start educating yourself. I'll link some of the books she recommended in the show notes if you want a place to start. In the words of Katherine Jones, whether your pregnancy was meticulously planned, medically coaxed, or happened by surprise, one thing is certain, your life will never be the same. Of course, there's an aspect to birthing and pregnancy that we will never feel ready for, but we can prepare our bodies and spirits with radical self-care and surround ourselves with a team that supports our highest good. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you are looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at TheRawGirl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, TheRawGirl.com. For more about the show or to subscribe and listen to past episodes, visit StayingAgelessShow.com. 